Hey world, it's nice to meet you. I'm Cassidy Jackson, and you are listening to Cassie's Crafting Conundrum. More Gen Z authors seem to be coming out of the woodwork in the past few years, myself included. And I want us to be able to have a safe space to express ourselves, since the online world is a scary place, and we might feel extremely alone. In each episode, I am highlighting an amazing Gen Z author who has agreed to share part of their story online. Sit back, relax, and please, remember, you are never alone as an author of any age. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cassie's Crafting Conundrum, Season 2, or welcome if you are joining. So if you want to know basically what this podcast is, I recommend going to Season 1, Episode 0. It kind of explains the whole gist of everything. And if you've I just listened, because it's not watched, I always forget, you've listened to all of season one welcome back glad to have you i'm just going to let my guest introduce herself see where this goes well i'm thea seems weird saying that out loud uh 19 and i've been writing for six years i think and you write multiple genres right yeah pretty much anything honestly i don't like constrict myself to one See, that's what I feel like so many authors do. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter if they're Gen Z, millennial, or, like, more adult adults, (laughs) they're just like, oh, because my debut novel is this genre, then I kind of have to stick with my genre. Mm -hmm. I think you and I are on the same kind of page where it's like, yeah, I don't, I just write what I feel like writing, and I don't think if I got an idea for it, then I'm going to go for it. <laughs> yeah. Even if it turns out to be a hot mess. Honestly, all of my first drafts mm-hmm. are hot messes because I do not plan. I do not outline. See, I plan sometimes and it still turns out to be a hot mess. Honestly, sometimes <laughs> I plan and things are hot messes, which is why just... I'm kind of like, I plan, but then I also don't plan you expect it when you go into a first draft so you're like this can be whatever it needs yeah. to be mm-hmm. so what are you currently working on right now like what genre is kind of like your well, i'm working on my sci-fi i like that title uh so i wrote it a year ago and i've been like reading through it starting my plan for revising I've got a notebook in front of me with notes <laughs> so I'm just getting that sorted really when I get the first draft done by the end of the year well the second draft done by the end of the year how long did it take you to write this first draft out of curiosity three weeks three weeks I mean in my defense I planned on doing it very quickly that's not how I normally write <laughs> That um, was just I me was going. not like saying, oh my gosh, you're writing a score bomb. Like, I could write something like that in three weeks. <laughs> a sci fi novel, no yeah. less. That's I did not- plan it. So, but yeah, because I sat down and I was like, I want to write the book in a week. Mm-hmm. It didn't turn out to be a week, but three weeks. The second I mean, draft's going to take much longer. The fact that you could crank out a draft that you're somewhat <laughs> proud of in three weeks me that's just astounding because I know like on Twitter I've talked about like 
my YA dystopia novel that I finally finished the first draft for. <laughs> and I was so excited because I'm like, I finished the first draft in a, you know, a little more than a year, which is normally how most people draft yeah. just because of school and work. I believe Thea and I were getting ready to head back to college in a few <laughs> days or weeks yeah college yeah, is yeah. not for the week let me tell you college no, no. matter where you are whether you're in the UK or the United mm. States or India or you know China or whatever mm. country you're in it's not for the week it's no, really I mean I've still not got my results back from last year are you gonna be in your first or second year First year of my degree, second year in uni. Okay, gotcha. I did a foundation year, so yeah. See, a waste the of time. US, but... <laughs> we're kind of just thrown into our degree. Mm-hmm. We're just like, you want this degree? The mm-hmm. colleges are basically like, you want this degree? Okay, there's mm-hmm. no foundational year. Yeah. Of like, oh, you can kind of mosey around. You can kind of BS your way through. It's like, no, <laughs> you are learning the foundational stuff so they can get you in and out in four years. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, our degree is in only three years. So I suppose it's kind of the same, same mm. structure. But... I didn't realize it was three years for mm-hmm. university in the UK. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what uni you go to and what course you do, but most courses are three years long. Hmm. what is your course for your degree creative writing and english literature oh so this is your job job yeah <laughs> essentially and then there's so me. i'm environmental policy so i'm just over here being like cool <laughs> I'm gonna do yeah i've got degree. no backup plan <laughs> the fact that I also had no backup plan. I Mm -hmm. went into college thinking I would do something else. Mm -hmm. And now I'm environmental policy. Honestly, if you are listening to this and you are a college student and you want to change your degree or your major or whatever, and you're not happy with it, take it from somebody who suffered for a very long time before I changed my degree I was not happy. It was not a great time. So just change your major, change your degree, because mental health is one of the most important things that you can possibly have in your repertoire, no matter if it's writing or if you're doing biology or if you're like my best friend and you're doing physics because (laughs) you're nuts. No offense to the physics majors or the physics graduates out there. I admire you guys so much, honestly. I could never. My plan was to do law ah. back when I was in college, like my high school. Mm-hmm. And then I did law for um two years and it was just, no. Nah. See, there you go. At the end of it. So like when I went to like... uni, I was, no way. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. Sometimes I actually did consider being a lawyer at some point mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And everybody's told me you'd make a really good lawyer. And I'm like, if I get into a courtroom, I can either be a very good lawyer if mm-hmm. I'm in a very confrontational mood, mm-hmm. or if I'm not in a confrontational mood, I would be a horrible. Yeah. Like, honestly. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, I could be a lawyer. I like arguing. 
forward to years in a way yeah the amount of stuff that you have to go through Mm -hmm. for any job now whether it's Mm -hmm. you know creative writing or stem or being a lawyer it's a lot and like what do you have to do for creative writing for your university uh that is a good question i have no idea (laughs) i know we'll be reading books and stuff um there'll be like creative writing seminars but I've not really looked into it too much yet. Spoken like a true Gen Z. (laughs) I'll get to it when I get to it. Honestly, at this point, I feel like that's how most of this generation is approaching writing Mm -hmm. and projects. Because like you said at the beginning, if you have an idea and you feel like you can plan it out, you're going to write it. (laughs) But I'm curious, how do you... Like, what kind of sci-fi is your sci-fi, if that question makes sense? Have you read Renegades by Marissa Meyer? Yes, a very long time ago. It's kind of like that. interesting take Mm -hmm. because as soon as you said Marissa Myers I was like okay Mm -hmm. so that kind of sci-fi where you have I'm pretty sure she wrote Cinder yes yes she did I haven't read that but yeah okay because that's I think the first one of hers that I read Mm -hmm. and I absolutely loved it just because the amount of sci-fi that was in it was just the right kind of sci-fi for Mm -hmm. me at the time yeah i'm not partial to romance (laughs) in books when it's a giant subplot unless Mm -hmm. it's written well yeah and i'm sure yours will be written well but like just fingers crossed you'll get there (laughs) you wrote this first draft in three weeks yeah sure (laughs) that good in three Mm -hmm. weeks and i've got this i've printed out the entire first draft Oh my goodness, I know you all cannot see this, but that is a very fat binder. <laughs> it's like 350 pages. 350 pages or Microsoft Word pages, just so the audience can kind of get a visual. Like uh, Microsoft Word pages. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. A little it's smaller like, um, than Google Docs pages. Yeah. And they're all single-sided. <laughs> I still can't believe you wrote that fat stack (laughs) of printer paper, 350 Microsoft Word pages in three weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I'll do it again. (laughs) To yourself again? Yeah. (laughs) Need the motivation. Don't have that at the minute. (laughs) You know what? I feel that because right now, if you guys do not follow me on Twitter or I'm now back on Tumblr just because, you know, 
I kind of have my, what I've just, I'm deciding is like social media is such a big presence in one Gen Z and two in the publishing industry that mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, what are my main three social media apps? Yeah. And I don't know. A lot of people might come here from Twitter, but if you're not from Twitter, there has been a lot of discourse and a lot of stuff going on. I'm not <laughs> going to get into that, but see, I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what are the three best platforms that one I'm most comfortable using and two that are going to reach the kind of most amount of people in the least amount of time. <laughs> That's such a Gen Z way of thinking, but it's yeah. true. Just how many, how, how quickly can you get the most followers on a site that's not Twitter? Honestly, <laughs> I feel that because mm-hmm. I feel like our generation kind of uses social media as both a weapon and like a marketing mm-hmm. tool yeah. in terms of just writing. Because... Yeah. On Tumblr, there are a lot of like 28, 25 plus people on there, mm-hmm. which makes me slightly uncomfortable as a 20 year old Gen Z author. But then you have Twitter and Instagram. There's and so like, many young people. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, okay, that is where I'm a little bit more comfortable mm-hmm. spending my time. And again, why I chose to do, you know, 16 through 26 mm-hmm. because like since I'm 20 and I know if you've listened to my other podcast in season one I do say this quite a bit it's like I'm right in that sweet spot mm-hmm. where I'm just old enough slash young enough where six where I'm talking to 16 year olds and it's not weird and I'm talking to 26 mm-hmm. year olds and it's not weird. yeah like perfect in the middle yeah and then you're 19, so you're also kind of, like, in that sweet spot. Yeah, I'm 20 in about two and a half months, I think. Oh, so wow. Not that Congratulations. Not Happy early birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's <laughs> so strange to think that you can just go on social media and create, you know, a pen name for yourself mm-hmm. when I have and just be yourself but underneath a pen name mm. you know I think, yeah when I made my pen name my main like objective was to not be searchable by anyone I know <laughs> like I don't want yeah. them to go on Twitter and look up my real name and like find me immediately because I just no I don't like that idea that no I get that and then especially like if you're jumping from oh by the way if you don't know we're kind of jumping from topic to topic but this is kind of like supposed to be an episode where we talk about like different genres of writing and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. it's just gonna basically go in and out because if you don't know how this works gen z can't really stay on topic (laughs) really bad so we're just kind of gonna see where this goes and we'll figure Mm -hmm. it out as we go along but just so you know this episode is supposed to be about like how writing different genres is pretty hard just because Mm -hmm. like most like I said at the beginning of this episode most people stick to one genre Mm -hmm. and that's it but then I feel like Gen Z our generation like you've told me in Twitter DMs like you're writing so many different 
<laughs> projects and genres. What are your genres, by the way? Just to remind me. Yeah. Uh, romance, mainly. Sci-fi, mystery. I did, like, a few action stuff at the beginning. But, like, they were weird, so I don't really count them. Um, I have plans to do a fantasy series eventually. Don't know what it's going to be about yet, but... Uh, uh, it's basically the main four, I think. Just sci-fi, romance, mystery, and fantasy eventually. But then I can definitely see myself like branching out to everything else. Paranormal. I don't really do stuff like that, but everything else is kind of like, yeah, do whatever. Yeah. No. And then there's me. I think I'm mostly dystopian, realistic mm. fiction, with mm. subgenres, just because. The my debut novel that I'm hoping to get at least into the query trenches by the mm -hmm. time I graduate <laughs> college, just because I'm like that would be a really great graduation gift yeah. for myself. <laughs> now you finished college. Mm -hmm. How more about <laughs> Here's more suffering, just in a different way. Yes, <laughs> it's just so interesting to see like. What I feel like the publishing world should do is be more open to authors mm -hmm. switching genres. Just other genres. Yeah. Like one of my worries when I go create when I start querying is like I want to find an agent who does it all, mm -hmm. who reps everything. Because if like I'm with an agent and I like, do a few romance books, and then like I message them one day and I go like I've got a sci-fi book, do you want that? And they reply back like I don't do sci-fi. Yeah. Then, oh. Just back myself to a corner here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Either I leave the agent and go somewhere else, or I just stay and never publish sci-fi. Yeah. Bit of a... I feel like I know this might be a very like hot, controversial topic that we're discussing right now <laughs> because agenting is hard. Every mm -hmm. single aspect of publishing is hard, whether you're a publishing house or an agent or a writer or an editor like every aspect of the publishing industry is hard mm -hmm. i've seen lately on twitter quite a few young authors are leaving their agents after like a couple of months i'm not going to name names obviously but there's definitely been a few people who i've seen who like got an agent and then like four months later left them and that's very interesting to me yeah now that you mention it i have mm -hmm seen you know announcements kind of through the grapevine aka mm -hmm. timeline mm -hmm. of twitter yeah. like um, i'm querying again <laughs> yeah and i'm like and then i go back and i look and it's just been you know a few months since they got their mm -hmm. agent they work so hard every mm -hmm. query mother, i have to give you credit because i mean you and i are not querying but i know no. quite a few people who are querying mm -hmm. right now and they are some of the most resilient people I've ever met in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know someone I follow. I think pretty sure she's been querying for like a full decade or something, or like close to that. Mm -hmm. And it's like at that point, I feel like I would just give up, move to the industry. Yeah, I mean, I'm just planning on querying. Again, like you said, you know, mm -hmm. a multi genre agent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because, you know, realistic fiction and dystopia are very, very different mm -hmm. genres, yeah. just like 
paranormal and mystery and fantasy and sci-fi are just mm -hmm. so different from each other yeah that i feel i'm not saying that agents should become like a jack of all trades like mm -hmm. that's not exactly what i'm saying because there still need to be specialized agents mm -hmm. for genres yeah it's just the fact that I'm worrying as I'm just writing before I'm even yeah. clearing. Mm -hmm. Okay, what agents can I potentially query mm -hmm. that do both dystopias and realistic? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or do I have to kind of have one agent for dystopia and one agent mm -hmm. for realistic fiction? And then yeah. there's you with your four very different genres. You're like, <laughs> I potentially need four. Yeah. I mean, can you have multiple agents? In the I don't know. I feel like the only time I ever see that is when someone's with two agents at one agency. Okay. I don't know if you can, like, actually have multiple different ones, but I suppose anything's possible. Honestly, at this point, I'm over here going, because I know a lot of people are moving from traditional publishing to mm. independent you know in what yeah. kind of the publishing world calls indie publishers mm -hmm. just because they're a little bit smaller it's a little bit more intimate there's kind of a lot more transparency mm -hmm. I feel like just from again the grapevine not going to get into it here because that, <laughs> that's the whole other excuse mm -hmm. my American expression can of worms <laughs> that can be opened mm -hmm. but it's just interesting in a way where I have to be like what genres are similar enough that one mm -hmm. agent who like does dystopia or one agent who does realistic fiction would they be open to repping you know you yeah. or I in terms of like you know a sci-fi with like a mystery subplot mm -hmm. you know or yeah. a paranormal with a sci-fi element in there. Mm -hmm. I feel like as well when it comes to agent and that, it's like you've got to think about even after that. It's like with me, with my two books, my two main books, I'm thinking I want to query the mystery first because I feel like that has more of a chance to get an agent. But the sci-fi might be ready sooner. So like, what do I do? You know, do I wait? Or do I query the sci-fi even though I know it's got like a lot less of a chance to actually get me somewhere? I totally get that mm -hmm. because my YA dystopia, I definitely want that to be my debut, but mm -hmm. I know rom-coms are very, very TikTok in right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. <laughs> Use that expression. So I want, my, I want my mystery to be my debut because I feel like that might just land a bit better, but I feel like the sci-fi will definitely be ready first. And that's kind of like my issue with like, Am I just gonna like screw myself over if I go for the sci-fi first, or do I like pause, finish the mystery, and then go for the sci-fi? The big mystery of a multi-genre author, yeah. <laughs> because I have a feeling that authors who back themselves unintentionally into a corner, like you're worried about, mm -hmm. they probably have so many other unpublished works. Mm -hmm in different genres just because they're like where you're like oh I want to see if I can write you know a romance or like a paranormal or you're going to challenge mm -hmm. yourself with a fantasy 
one of these, you know, months or years or whatever, whenever you decide. Mm -hmm. I feel like authors who are already published should not be forced to be like kept in that corn metaphorical corner that we're talking about mm -hmm. just because that limits creativity and the yeah. whole point of the publishing industry to me is to not let creativity die mm -hmm. and like as well there's a huge divide between publishers and readers because like I know a lot of readers would want more sci-fi and more like rarer genres but for some reason publishers don't think they want that so it's like I know that other readers want what I'm writing but publishers are just like no we don't want that it's not gonna sell yeah so it's like well, that's I, not true yeah I definitely feel like as soon as you said that I was like yes I do mm -hmm. definitely feel that divide and I know you've been on Twitter a lot longer mm -hmm. than I have so maybe you can speak more into this but there are is a big population of book Twitter mm. that is just basically, oh, I want like romance. I want, you know, romance of like any kind, blah, blah, blah. I'm over here going, I'm on the asexual spectrum. I don't do romance. <laughs> like this rom-com that I'm writing that I'm drafting right now it's basically just it's basically a demisexual girl mm. who is straight and then also just a straight boy just because I am a demisexual that's kind of what I'm kind of labeling myself as by the mm -hmm. way you don't have to label yourself if you're part of <laughs> the LGBTQ plus community only do that if one you are comfortable doing that and two, you actually want to put a label on it. <laughs> you know, comfortability exactly. and labeling yourself. Like, if you want to say you're just queer, like, just, just say that. Nobody should have to force you into a box. Sorry for that little tangent. But just, like, I feel like there should be more LGBTQ plus books in terms of like the asexual spectrum or just labeling yourself as queer because I know a lot of people on Twitter do label themselves as you know like bisexual or you know demisexual or all of that and I'm just like as somebody who is on the asexual spectrum but most closely relates something like that where it's demisexual I'm like okay but where's the representation <laughs> you know what I mean yeah like not just in romance but you know mm -hmm. in just everywhere. Mm -hmm. or mystery there's not a, mm -hmm. the only LGBTQ rep I'm seeing is mostly in romance yeah mm -hmm. That's fair. and I'm like no 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 <laughs> <laughs> you want that's it everywhere yeah exactly that's not how the world should work yeah. there are people in the world who are queer mm. and who might feel like they can't put a queer character who relates very very closely with them and their mm. kind of queer awakening for lack of better terms <laughs> journey what genre do you think 
could be like, I guess the net, I don't want to say like, this is such a controversial topic and it shouldn't be mm -hmm. because so many Gen Z authors and authors and people in general are labeling themselves because they feel the most comfortable in this label. Again, with me mm -hmm. and my demisexual label, because I'm over here going, okay, I would like to see more representation in other genres other than romance, because I know romance is a genre. Mm -hmm. I'm not debating that. It's just, <laughs> I would love to see it explored more outside of romance, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I've read a few. It is difficult to get your hands on them, especially if it's like more niche subjects or like genres, mm -hmm. like sci-fi. So in my head, I can really think of one, like one sci-fi that's queer. Be more obviously, but yeah, it's not as like front and center mm -hmm. as romance. Yeah, and this mm -hmm. goes back to again, like as an author, like as an author, what do you think like agents are gonna want? Mm -hmm. What do you think you know the publishers are gonna want? Mm -hmm. And the publishers have to be like, okay, what are the writers writing right now? And what are the agents giving to us right now? What are the editors giving to us right now? Mm -hmm. If editors and agents are kind of like in separate agencies or within the same, I don't know exactly how that works. I'm not querying, so I'm just spitballing. Yeah. <laughs> It's such an interconnected industry. I mean, like, you've already got this too, but you get asked by people who aren't writers, like, when are you going to get published? When are you going to do this? And it's like, it's not that simple. If I could just, like, magic up my own book one day and put it out in stores, I would, obviously. But that's just not how it works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, self-publishing, that is how it works. You literally just... Yeah. <laughs> but from what I've heard, self-publishing is just very, very hard because you need mm -hmm. new money yeah and, it's like, i know you can get you can do it cheap on amazon but if you want to go somewhere high quality it's like upwards of like thousands of pounds yeah and it's like that's not worth it <laughs> not unless you yeah. want to be like that's the route you want to go or you've mm -hmm. given up on traditional publishing yeah honestly i feel like traditional publishing again so many hot takes in this episode <laughs> but that's okay yes that's kind of what this podcast is about, really, just hot takes in the publishing mm -hmm. industry <laughs> about, you know, I feel like agents should be a little bit more open to <laughs> having authors who write multiple genres. That's mm -hmm. a hot take, so and it should it. be a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, keep it in a one genre, which is not happen with me. Just can't no, do definitely. it. Mm -hmm. Like, I know you're like, do you, speaking of which, what is a genre that you would basically want to combine? Like, would you combine like paranormal and sci-fi or like, you know, because I know romance can basically be shoved metaphorically mm -hmm. and physically into any mm -hmm. story. Like, uh, what for like, for like sci-fi and mystery, I think. It's like a murder that's taken place in a highly like high powered city. 
true love magic and like that would be cool i think that would definitely be cool like, if i could somehow combine realistic fiction and dystopia to mm-hmm. very different <laughs> genres and somehow just shove it together into mm-hmm. one book i feel like that, that would be cool be a whole other genre that i basically just created Mm-hmm. Out of thin air. Oh, that reminds me people should also be creating more genres because there yeah. should be more genres than just you know sci-fi and mystery and paranormal mm-hmm. I know there are subgenres, but they're like niche mm-hmm. and only pertaining to that one particular overarching yeah. genre you know it should be like a genre that focuses on, on like revenge stories I eat them up (laughs) okay what is your favorite type of revenge story like if you could create a genre right now based off of that um murder okay when like the main character just goes on a complete murder spree I feel that I feel like I do have a book like that in the works Ah. but I've been working on that for about like four years now and it's never really progressed past half a draft so no I I feel that (laughs) I feel that (laughs) yeah got all the documents and just nothing's come of it the fact that my google drive is just filled with manuscript actually Mm -hmm. they're not even manuscripts documents at that Mm -hmm. point because they never get past you know maybe 10k so it's like an inkling of an idea I mean when I first started writing I had so many ideas and I had to like move everything off of my thing in like a memory drive mm-hmm. because it was just too many ideas so like over the years yeah I was just grab stuff that I haven't been doing and shoved it under my memory stick because I just don't want it in me drive it's taking mm-hmm. up unnecessary space and it's just I might actually have to get something like that. Mm -hmm. And writers slash authors, basically the synonymous, that might actually be a good idea. That's actually a pretty good idea. Just taking the shelved manuscripts Mm -hmm. slash works in progress slash disaster drafts, (laughs) we so affectionately call them. Just stuff you don't want to look at. (laughs) Yeah, stuff you're like, that was a part of my life that I can just... Mm -hmm kind of sweep yeah. on Bye. a flash drive a memory stick whatever you want to call it just kind of tuck it away just until mm-hmm. I'm ready to look at it yes. again <laughs> and sometimes you might not be ready to look at it again I mean some of my stuff from my earlier years of writing is just it is a hot mess it's not even like a good hot mess it is a bad hot mess so I mean most I want no, to like okay. rewrite my second ever book, but I've thought about that so many times, and there is apps. There's no way I could do it because it's just that much of a mess. You there's can't just so many like subplots from it. Mm-hmm. I know. Just look at it, and I'm like, I like this bit, so I'm gonna take that and then work on that. And it's just, yeah, I don't think that'll ever happen, <laughs> but it would be nice. Yeah, I mean, there is a. my first ever novel that I wrote Mm. I would like to take that out eventually and Mm. rework it into something but like your second ever novel that might not be possible yeah (laughs) 
just because like I can see a direction of where it's going like I can see where it was supposed to go yeah <laughs> I just never got there uh-huh just it you know when you see those photos of like where someone's got like a destination like when they're talking in a conversation they've got like the start and the destination and it's just all over the place yeah like, different conversation and you just yeah it's like that mm-hmm. never actually in a straight line Writing is never in a straight line, no matter what genre you're writing. From I mean, the first draft to the final draft, there are so many steps in between. People do not see. I mean, when I read through the first draft of my sci-fi, I was like writing down notes as I went, and I've got 80 pages of A5 notes just from reading through that one book. Did you just say 80, like eight zero? Yes. Uh-huh. I know you all cannot see the shock on my face. But I'm, ju- I'm just trying to be like, you have a 350-page manuscript with 80 pages uh-huh. of notes. This is not all of this, but it's like quite a good chunk of it. Oh my gosh. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> that just astounds me. Because uh-huh. for me, I feel like I should write notes as I'm drafting my first drafts just mm-hmm. because there are some ideas that I can just grasp mm-hmm. and I'm like but then I get distracted because I'm ADHD and distractions <laughs> like oh yeah. yeah that works and then it just it's just gone <laughs> I was maybe with my first few books I would like start writing because I pantsed all of them I didn't like plan or anything I'll start writing get an idea halfway through and go oh this works just put it in with no actual thought to whether it actually works and then like three months later I would look back at it I'd be like none of this actually makes any sense (laughs) remember at the time I was writing my second book I was reading a lot of Wattpad stuff Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you know how much of like a hot mess some of them are and so like Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of good stuff, but like a lot of stuff that just didn't make any sense. And I was like, taken from that. I remember like halfway through writing the first book, I was like, you know what? I want that to be singers. I didn't like go with the plot or anything. It was just yeah. like, make them singers. And sometimes I feel like that with my first novel. I didn't actually get to the plot that I wanted to tell, I think, mm-hmm. until like chapter 16. <laughs> That was me with um, nothing to lose, literally, like, last year. <laughs> yeah, so literally the first 16 chapters, if you followed me on Twitter, I've been looking for beta readers for my mm-hmm. YA dystopia. But then I was like, guys, I have to pause. I have to pause. Because mm-hmm. I simply not combine the first 16 chapters and the other chapters like mm-hmm. that I've rewritten. So I have to rewrite the entire draft. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten a good start on it. But this also goes back to, like, the multiple genre. All mm-hmm. Authors should consider writing in multiple genres. Because if you stick to one genre, I feel like it would get boring. Yeah. None. Definitely. Like, I can only do, like, one genre so long. I'm like, I need to move on. I need to do something else. Yeah, I feel like if I go back and forth between dystopia and realistic fiction, it's, like, enough of a break. Mm-hmm. that my brain can kind of just switch back over to the other one yeah if I'm not in school 
<laughs> yeah. you know, not to bash education systems all over the world because mm-hmm. I love education like education is great we need it in this world more than ever mm-hmm. it's the way that it's taught in some places just gives me the ick just mm-hmm. because of how much time and energy that it takes I know writing is a hobby for me and it it's going to be your job because your degree, yeah. your course is creative mm-hmm. writing in English. And but for me, it's a hobby. And I'm over here going, okay, but how am I going to balance it? And I can't mm-hmm. simply yeah. because STEM and creative writing mm-hmm. is just so vastly different. It's like dystopia and realistic fiction, and you know paranormal and sci-fi like those are two very different ends of the same spectrum if yeah if that's mm-hmm. what I've noticed like if we're like dystopia and realistic fiction I feel like I can write those because they're similar enough mm-hmm. and I don't know <laughs> that with some of like the genres that you're writing that you can kind of like weave and connect them yeah in a way where you can write them easier <laughs> I mean, after I finished my um, mystery, I was like, I need a break from complicated stuff. I started writing a romance. And I mean, I only got like 30,000 that done during July. And it's like, you need a break, but you needed an actual break. Not just a break from difficult genres. Honestly, sometimes if you just need a writing break, take it. Mm-hmm. That's why I want to get as much of my rom-com finished as I possibly can mm-hmm. before I start school because as soon as school starts as soon as I'm on that campus and I'm looking through my school books writing is the farthest thing mm-hmm. from my mind like that is not priority number one priority number yeah. one for me is school <laughs> I wish I could be that way but I'm just a bit bold. honestly I, I feel like there are two sides of authors and writers who are in college and in mm-hmm. high school there's one where they're like oh I'm just going to focus on writing in school kind of just kind of falls mm-hmm. kind of a priority and mm-hmm. then there are people in the middle who can do both mm-hmm. I, I cannot I have to focus on one thing and one thing only I don't Whether take it as seriously as I should yeah, I'll take it seriously when the exams come and I'm screwed how I always do it honestly that is the most Gen Z thing anybody has ever mm. said on this podcast. I, mean, I, show, I show up to every lesson. I'm like the only person who did. I mean, I mean, as long as you're it, taking notes, I mean, you. I'm sure you take detailed notes just based off the fact that you have 80 pages of notes <laughs> on your sci-fi. Yeah. But I think going back to like the way that it's taught, I feel like something needs to change. Mm in order to get people interested in education because I know most of our generation is like screw education education is like ew ick gross <laughs> but for me it's just I love learning I do but some of the time like the subjects are interesting kind of like but you can't really change like university courses the way that you can change writing the genre. Yeah, that's oh, a foundation. Yeah, and like that wasn't my choice. 
I didn't get the and like I didn't get enough UCAS points for how to do it. But mm. the subjects in that were so boring. And like yeah. if I could have skipped it, I would. Because like for that it was like history, and mm-hmm. I do not care about history. Mm. And like I just wanted to get the writing stuff, and there was no writing stuff. Mm-hmm. But hopefully next year it'll be different. When do you? When does like university start in the UK? Uh, about uh, October. Oh really? So you have quite a few months. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's me it trying will... to cram every mm-hmm. single episode of this podcast before I even go to school. <laughs> it'll I'm be on... like the week before the week before October, I think. Mm. And I move in, I move out in about a month. Ah, well. University is going to be a treat. Mm-hmm. Take that as you will. Yes. <laughs> Depending on, you know, your personality type and just how you approach, you know, learning and schooling and stuff like that. I honestly, if I felt like I could do writing, creative writing for the rest of my life, I definitely would. But again, yeah. it's like changing genres. Like I, I just can't focus on one mm-hmm. thing for the rest of my life which is why I'm like I'm not downplaying writing as a hobby at this point I get used Mm -hmm. to it when I was younger now I kind of feel like it's an unpaid job because of how much time (laughs) I spent writing my dystopia and then as soon as I finished writing my dystopia people like Cassie take a break Cassie take a break I'm like I finished it at about 8.30 p.m. And by like 11.30 p.m. that very same night, I was basically starting the second draft of Mm -hmm. my dystopia. Yeah. And people were calling me nuts. (laughs) Who does that? (laughs) Nobody. Yeah, I get that. I do that sometimes. I'm like, sometimes when when you take a while to write a draft, the end and the beginning look so different. So it's like you want to go back and improve the beginning because it's not like how you're right now. Mm-hmm. So like you'll go at it and then you realize a little while later, like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> uh, no, and that's why I think, that's why I think I went from dystopia to a rom-com because I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to think of something light and fluffy and mm-hmm. airy. My alpha reader right now, she's comparing my rom-com on green rom-com if that tells you anything <laughs> oh that's quite high praise <laughs> and I'm like I was reading through it just her comments I'm like oh my goodness she's right because green writes rom-coms the way that some people approach what is the analogy I'm trying to use like she's not you know an Emily Henry mm-hmm. rom-com writer where it's like fluffy and light and kind of airy he's not you know Allie Hazelwood yeah he's John Green tackling very very real topics Mm. of rom-coms and I actually did google John Green's books are considered rom-coms I was like (laughs) I don't know they are (laughs) they consider rom-coms I've never read any of his stuff actually I should should. never read any of so basically my comp for rom-com with is pretty much any John Green novel 
That also goes to show, like, I feel like, are there any, like, themes throughout your writings, like, that you just carry throughout the genres that you write? Uh, I don't know, actually. Um, Maybe just, like, I always try to make sure my female characters are, like, the boss. <laughs> you know, just, like, mm-hmm. very confident, very self-assured. I'm not really a fan of writing, like, quiet characters um i don't know not really not any themes that like jump out at me okay because people have been telling me like one of my best friends the physics major that Mm -hmm. i mentioned earlier in the episode (laughs) they were i've been sending them my first drafts since we were both 13 and we're 20 now so it's been seven years of me just shoving first mm-hmm. down their throat <laughs> and they're like I remember a few years ago they said you have like a Rick Riordan kind of undertone in your writing <laughs> and I remember staring at that text and I'm like as somebody who's obsessed with Riordan verse and Percy Jackson mm-hmm. and all of that I was like oh my goodness but that is a theme that I've noticed throughout like you know how have you read Percy Jackson no okay mm-hmm. I, I do want to read it before thought, the show comes out I thought I should ask because like I have to give a little like backstory of like mm-hmm. the writing the type of writing that is in the book yeah so I'll do a little bit of that. So there's basically like a sarcastic undertone throughout mm. the entire book. And I feel like that's kind of what mine is a mm. little bit, both in dystopia and rom-com. And then <laughs> there's sound <laughs> family in there. There's, you know, there's always some type of trauma going on. Yeah. <laughs> there's, always, there's always some type of trauma going always. on. <laughs> And I noticed it has to do a lot with like bullying and manipulation and just, you know, all of that because surprise, I was kind of bullied for most of my childhood. So that's kind of like, you know how the expression is like, write what you know. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I took that and I ran with it. (laughs) Fair enough. I'm like, "There's, there's not a lot. I can write about mm. and don't know as well as like you know being bullied and being manipulated and all of that and like if you see me online or you know in real life you're like you know Sassy is like a really great person and then I'm like yeah I'm a great person but like <laughs> you know like trauma shapes people you know no yeah. matter what trauma you have whether it's minor or large any type of trauma does impacts you in some way which is why I think by the way if there are any like agents or publishers listening to this (laughs) trauma books if they are written well can sell and will sell Mm -hmm. in any genre Mm -hmm. in any genre 
speaking of which, is there any like type of trauma in your books? I don't really know. <laughs> um, I know in my sci-fi, um, Amalia deals with like her granddad was murdered in front of her. Oh my! That's, yeah, that's a trauma. That's basically, that's basically what like makes her the villain because like. <laughs> mystery that, that's like that's a serial killer book there's a lot of death going around mm-hmm. and a lot of like i mean for the main character Haley, a lot everyone who's dying is one of her ex-girlfriends oh my <laughs> well like a partner and so you can obviously tell that that would have a bit of a lasting effect yes most definitely mm-hmm. so but, like nothing might... really that... There's nothing besides, that I've like, like taken from my life. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, besides death. <laughs> you said there's like no theme. And like you're explaining things. I'm like, Theo writes about death. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, in the um romance I started writing, the the love interest parents are also dead. That's a very morbid theme. And I will, mm-hmm. you know, a content warning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not really, I don't really intend to do it. It just kind of happens, and I say that right. And I've never really had like a major death in my family, other than my grandma, like a decade ago. So, like, I don't know where this come from. Sometimes it just happens, like you said. It yeah, it just all just of a sudden happens. <laughs> a lot of death. <laughs> For you, because death is not something to be taken lightly in any context. No. And so the fact that you have it in a sci-fi and a mystery <laughs> and, you know, a rom-com just very, very briefly. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is something that could be like your, like, Thea calling card or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or I should just go see a therapist. <laughs> like, Thea, go see a therapist. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, technically... I am seeing a therapist, but you know, Ooh. that's fine. So I'm already doing a job. Yes. But you know, <laughs> it does take a lot out of a writer to write, mm. you know, about death and about mm. traumas. Whether it's, you know, like very disconnected like yours or very real like mine. Mm-hmm. A lot of writers, no matter what genre they're writing, they somehow manage to I know people have heard the expression of like slipping yourself into your novels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Writers do that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is why, again, I bring it back to like agents should be more open about, you know, <laughs> like having a romance yeah. with a mystery and then like a murder mystery potential subplot. I just got a <laughs> I just got a novel idea. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, me. <laughs> I love myself. Great. Actually, somebody could write that because I don't have time to write that. Oh, I've got a like a page on my phone of notes, and it's just about like ninety book ideas. Nine zero. Yes. Okay. And I've only ever like I've attempted to write like only five of them, Mm -hmm. so I just don't have the time to tackle eighty or not ninety. Sorry, ninety book ideas. Yeah. 
Just like, it's insane. By the way, if I ever tell you a writer in this pod, you, the general you, by the way, it's not mm-hmm. like you personally. Yeah. The ge- if I basically say this book idea is up for grabs, you can write it. Please write it because I'm not going to have time. <laughs> like at the end of last year, I was thinking I have an idea for the next book I want to write. And then come like May, I wrote a complete, well, I started a completely different one. (laughs) It's just like, you have all these ideas and you've got to prioritize them. Yeah. Honestly, I might just think of having an episode of the podcast where I'm just like listing book ideas that people can just (laughs) take. Yeah. I'm like, very vague ideas I'm like guys here are my book ideas that I don't want to write so somebody take them but if you plagiarize plagiarism is bad don't don't ever do that and that is why in episode five of season one you Mm -hmm. will hear just music (laughs) randomly placed it is not randomly placed (laughs) It's very strategically placed. Yes. For a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with, you know, I feel like I have a lot of empathy for like agents because there are writers who will steal. Mm-hmm. There are writers who will be like, oh, this person has a really great idea. I wish I thought of that. And just kind of spider webs and kind of weaves mm-hmm. the idea around. I mean, do you remember? I think it was two or three pit nights ago where someone commented on someone's post like, oh, I like this idea. Thank you. I'm going to write it. I think and that was just after I joined Twitter. Mm. I wasn't part of that, but I heard about yeah. it. Great line. Because mm-hmm. that was like a bit like, well, one, why would you tell anyone you're doing that for Sanders? And two, why would you even do it? Like, what is the point? Yeah. If you're not creative enough to come up with your own ideas, then I don't really think you should be writing. That like, is a fair point. That is a fair yeah. point. Unless you're like you're doing like IPs for publishers and you know, fair game. But if you have to steal ideas to write your books, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. No, that is definitely something that me as a multi genre. Mm-hmm. I say multi genre as if I have two genres. You're actually a <laughs> multi genre. <laughs> author in the episode in the metaphorical room so to speak but that's why I feel like there should be other genres that's created mm-hmm. like you and your revenge based <laughs> on murder I'm like it's a big enough sub you're right it's a big enough sub genre it should yeah. genre. Mm-hmm. I mean we've got a couple of revenge books I've already got one that after deals with murder, but um, been, would love like some more, you know. And speaking What's of revenge, revenge in general, I know there are revenge stories. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned Wattpad earlier, like there's a lot on there. Yeah. And like I said in season one, episode six, like, I have an account. Mm-hmm. Mostly just read it. Like if I'm super bored and I don't know mm-hmm. what to do, yeah. Just because like there are some good stuff. Mm-hmm. There are there's some good stuff, but there's I mean, also some stuff. That, stuff. 
No. Yeah. I think you were about to say there's also some stuff that is like not great. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> some stuff that you'll stop. Writers work though, because mm. people have no idea how hard it is to actually sit down yeah. and print. Mm. Like I would never go on, on a Wattpad and like start a book I don't like and comment like this is bad why are you writing it because like so people do that on there and it's very weird like you wouldn't want people to do that on your own work so why would you do it on someone else's work yeah exactly mm-hmm. it goes back to like again the whole thing about like you know young authors mm-hmm. around our age like leaving their agents mm-hmm. like I know there's discourse there but like treat everybody the way that you would want to be treated if you were like a publisher or an agent yeah. or a writer you know I mm-hmm. feel like there needs to be a lot of empathy mm-hmm. in the writing world because like the thing with publishing also is like authors do most of the work let's be real we write the books yeah and people seem to forget that because like in their minds we're at the bottom of the ladder but like without us this industry wouldn't exist right there's no books there's there's no there's no there's yeah. no need for mm-hmm. like agents there's no need yeah. for editors there's no need mm-hmm. for publishing houses yeah like <laughs> like without us the entire publishing industry just doesn't it's nothing yeah and people need to like realize that a lot more like just because we're at the bottom doesn't mean we're less valuable than those at the top yeah that goes with like any industry really mm-hmm. like with the strikes yeah. going on in like the film and tv industry there's like, no movies without writers yeah and there are no movies and TV shows without actors. Mm-hmm. Like, the backbone of every industry, I feel, is the people at the bottom. Like, no matter what mm-hmm. industry you're in, yeah. whether it's a creative industry or a corporate industry. Well, like, like, even if you work in, like, a store, like, without you, nothing would get sold. Exactly. Like, without cashiers, who's going to take the money from the yeah. people who are buying the good? Mm-hmm. The people at the bottom are the most important people mm-hmm. in any industry. Just because, like, you know, like you said, just because we're at the bottom doesn't mean we're any less important than anybody who's mm-hmm. at the top. Yeah. Essentially, though, empathy mm-hmm. is such a big thing in any industry. Mm-hmm. Because the people at the bottom are actually doing the bulk of the work. You know, mm-hmm. in the publishing industry, yes, there's our editors and, you know, agents and publishing houses. And those are all as equally important because without each step, there's there's no industry. No. Like without writers, without actors, without producers, without, you know, camera crews, mm-hmm. without, you know, assistants, without, you know, all of that, there's no movie and tv industry mm-hmm. like every single person is and as like you think as the next like you think about that as well and it's like without us it wouldn't exist so why are they why are we the ones getting paid the lowest yeah why is the money going to people who are doing like who barely lift a finger yeah it doesn't make any sense In like greed way, i feel like why am I doing this? Why am I going the traditional publishing route? You know? Yeah. Because I know. It's so hit and miss. 
Mm -hmm. I know like there's a one in basically one million chance that I'm going to get an agent. And there's a one in like one billion chance Mm -hmm. I'm going to actually get a book deal and get published. It's Mm -hmm. so rare. Like you see all these success stories about people who have like gotten an agent and a publishing deal within like three months. But on the flip side, you see these stories of people who like have been querying for years and years and years and it's never gone anywhere. And it's like you could be at either end of the spectrum, like smack them in, in between and they've got you don't know you've got no way to figure that out. So mm-hmm. it's just a guessing game. Like, am I gonna be successful or is this just all gonna flop? Yeah. Fail. Failure is definitely in any creative industry, failure mm-hmm. is something you have to be okay with. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. in any industry, you have to be okay mm-hmm. with failure. Just failure. So a lot of, uh, so a lot okay. of age, uh, authors publish. You know, a lot of authors query like multiple different books over like many different years because if one book flops, then you've got to like kind of pick yourself back up and go, I can do this again. Mm-hmm. And put my stuff yeah. through this again until I eventually one clicks. Yeah. And that goes back to like how marketable is a multi genre author. Actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From like the reader and writer perspective that you and I are at, totally marketable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would love to mm-hmm. have one of my favorite authors, you know, explore, you know, multiple different genres so that I can, you know, nitpick like mm-hmm. what is their brain because every single genre has a different I feel like uses a different part of a writer's brain yeah in a way of like their thinking process mm-hmm. how they approach it. like what are they actually going to put in the mm-hmm. book and why is it important like I feel like with romance and like realistic fiction like it's a bit more easy to write because you kind of pull it on like real stuff but like, what if you write sci-fi or fantasy? It's like all of this stuff is fake. So you've got to like dig a bit deeper and try to figure out everything that works and everything that doesn't work. And that just that takes a lot more time and effort. And it's just two completely different sides of publishing and writing. And it's just... <laughs> yeah. Now that you mentioned sci-fi and fantasy, there's something in the back of my mind. I do have a novel idea where I combine both fantasy, mythology and sci-fi mm. all in one book idea <laughs> and like as a reader I'm like I would love that mm-hmm. like, I would love to write that but as a writer I'm like is that actually a marketable idea <laughs> is that a marketable idea I don't know <laughs> you never really know until you try it exactly so that that's a draft that I'm pushing back until I figure yes. out, you know, my dystopia, my wrong. Yeah. Because I cannot write multiple genres at once. <laughs> you got to just keep going back and forth and it just gets to a point where, like, you're putting magic in a non-magic book. <laughs> it seems like you've tried to write multiple genres at once and it did not go yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, I've tried to plan multiple books at once, and that's not really gone very well. If you could essentially take anything from, you know, a very unrelated genre and kind of stuff it into another genre, speaking of like multi-genre stuff, mm-hmm. what would you do? 
would you stick time travel in a realistic fiction novel, so to speak? Hmm. Possibly. Um, don't know. I feel like for me, it would be like at least some type of magic that kind of exists in the real world. I think. Okay, so kind of. Okay, so kind of like a Percy Jackson, mm. where it's like you have some powers mm. in the real world, kind of stuff. I've been reading a lot of like comics lately, like Marvel comics. So I feel like I would take like that kind of magic, you know, that kind of like powers, and just stuff it in like a romance book. <laughs> that would actually be really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I've now been I'm getting another novel reading. idea, and you're probably gonna start writing a bunch <laughs> of novel ideas as mm. soon as we jump off this call. I mean. For the sci-fi book, I have currently two spin-off ideas. Oh my so goodness. So this will keep growing. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I think for me, I would definitely want to stick, you know, some realistic fiction aspect into, I want to say, like, a sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Where it would be sci-fi, like there would be some sci-fi elements. Mm-hmm. But in a way, it's just, why is there, why are there portals just showing up randomly to take you to like different dimensions or something like that? By the way, if somebody wants to write that idea, please do, because I don't have time to write that. (laughs) Have you read The Cruel Prince? Yes. You know how that like has the fairy world and then the normal world, kind of like that idea. (laughs) I feel like realistic fiction is kind of the easiest to kind of just stuff other genres just kind of into it just randomly and so now I'm wondering there should be a genre speaking of like stuffing genres into other genres where fantasy and sci-fi that should Mm -hmm. be like stuffing sci-fi and fantasy together should be its own genre Mm -hmm. I think that's what I would do I'd stick fantasy and sci-fi and make it its own genre Mm -hmm. could have like magic and then science (laughs) yeah two separate plots Mm-hmm. maybe like a cruel prince kind of portal too yeah <laughs> except it's maybe not so easily travelable just mm-hmm. because it's a portal it's like a bit more risky yeah potentially get stuck in one blah 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 mm-hmm. all of that Sandra Clare mm-hmm. kind of portal <laughs> politics and all of that <laughs> but yeah thank you for starting us off on the second season which I never thought would actually happen but apparently I'm a good host so there you go thank you for having me yeah I feel like this has been a very interesting discussion even though it's been all over the place mm-hmm. by the way thank you fair. very much if you've gotten this far thank you for listening to us kind of ramble and rant and kind of be all over the place but mm-hmm. the backbone of this episode really has been you know multi-genre authors should be appreciated a lot more than they Mm -hmm. are yeah just because it's so hard to write you know like thea a sci-fi and then go to romance like there's (laughs) there's a transition that (laughs) you can't just jump and expect it all work out because then you'll just end up with the weirdest stuff in places it's not supposed to be I can also come from like, but there are also, also could create other genres. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Maybe try mm-hmm. something like that. 
honestly, though, if you're a writer and you just want to try sticking, you know, sci-fi sci where sci-fi shouldn't be or fantasy where fantasy should not be, court, I would actually buy that. I would buy that. If it's written just well. Go for it, yeah. <laughs> it's but not yeah. like a hot mess, like first draft. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> first drafts are always going to be hot messes no matter what you're yes. Don't go expecting, like, mm -hmm. if you're writing not, the first draft and the published draft are two very, very different things. That is also something that is very important. Mm -hmm. But yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. I really appreciated this talk. And I feel like we covered a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you. Yeah, I never I actually talked so. to anyone from Book Twitter yeah. like this before. Mm -hmm. There you go. And that's kind of why I'm doing this podcast to connect Gunsy mm -hmm. authors to Gunsy authors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you do want to reach me or Thea, I will definitely link our social medias down below in the description. Mm -hmm. thing. I feel like I'm on YouTube every time I say like down below. Yeah, down below. <laughs> like, like, like subscribe. Exactly. Like, subscribe, all of that, blah, blah. I honestly don't care if you like or subscribe or leave a review or whatever. I'm just doing this for fun. Mm -hmm. That's what Gen Z does. We start hobbies. And, <laughs> and then never finish them. Again, like I never thought there'd be a season two of this. Yeah. But yeah, just thank you, honestly. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's been fun. Yeah. Bye.